Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast. If you would like to participate in online worship, sermons, and children's programs, then check out the Renaissance Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Now, let's get started. Hey guys, good morning. So I don't even know how to start now because he said everything that I was going to say, that I'm the children and family ministry director. Usually I get to be downstairs with your kids, but I'm so excited to be up here with you all today. And my son is waving at me. (laughs) And um, I'm excited to share this message with you guys. Um, I would say that kids is kind of my comfort zone and my safe spot, but I really do have a message on my heart for you all today. And it really kind of dates back to whenever I first became a Christian, I really didn't know how to read the Bible. I I had no idea about learning who the author was or historical or cultural context. So I would literally just open it up and begin reading. And sometimes I wouldn't even start at the beginning of a chapter. I'd literally just open it up and be like, okay, God, what do you have to say to me today? And let me just first start by saying, if you're a new Christian and that's what you can, that's what you're doing right now, Jesus can work with that. Like our God is so big and so powerful that he will meet you where you are. And that if that's where you are, he can use that because there's a verse that I read in second Corinthians 10, five, I'm going to read it for you now. It says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. That's the verse I read way back when, and it has always stuck with me, not knowing that I was necessarily taking it out of context. When I read that verse for the first time, it was the first time that I really noticed or had ever heard that I actually had some sort of control over what was going on up here. Like these thoughts that just came in and out of my mind that I actually had a responsibility on what I was going to do with them. And so I take this verse very seriously and I still, not that I'm always super great at it, but I still try to take every thought captive. So that's what I wanna talk to you about today. Why should we take our thoughts captive? How do we take our thoughts captive? Why does it matter? Well, I was listening to a sermon by Charles Stanley, and he calls our mind the control tower of our lives. And our thoughts shape who we are and ultimately who we will become. Nothing we've ever done, good or bad, start, it all starts with a thought. Anything we've ever done, good or bad, all starts with what is going on up here. So I came across a statistic, and it's, it's from the National Science Foundation, which I'll say that either sounds super official or a little bit made up, um, but regardless, they said that we have anywhere from 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts running through our mind every single day. And that on top of that, 80% of the time, those thoughts that we have are actually negative. So the majority of the things that we are thinking about ourselves, about our circumstances, about other people are actually completely negative a majority of the time. And that's a staggering statistic considering everything we do starts with a thought. Ultimately, our thoughts control our actions. Our thoughts control what we do in this world. How many times have you wanted to do something, but you're instantly inundated with all of these thoughts of, I'm not the right person, I'm completely inadequate, I can't do this. I know I've had those 
those thoughts. There are several times I feel like God has called me to do something. And I feel like there's no way I could possibly do that. I met with all of these negative thoughts in my mind. And I know that that is not what God wants for us. But sometimes it feels like we don't have any control whatsoever. Our thoughts are kind of like breathing. We don't have to think about breathing. It's just something that happens. It's automatic. And that's kind of how we treat our thoughts as well. So where do our thoughts come from? <clears throat> I believe there are several sources. I believe that our thoughts can come from our past experiences. There are things that we've tried before and maybe we failed, and so we instantly build up these roadblocks in our mind and we think, well, I'm never gonna do that again because I know what's gonna happen, and so I just don't wanna try it. I don't wanna go there again. Even though we know that's not necessarily true, that's the tricky thing about our thoughts. Even though we know they're not necessarily true, there's so much truth to them. They feel true in a lot of circumstances. I believe our thoughts can also come from other people and the words that people have said to us before, the things that they've said about us, the things that they've said to us. And I don't know about you, but it's often the negative things that people have said about me that I hang on to the longest. And the longer they sit there in my mind, the longer I have to think about those thoughts thoughts, the more they feel true. And I forget where they even come from. I've just taken that on as my identity now. And not to add any pressure to the parents out there, but I've heard it said that our voice, our words that we have for our children become their inner voice one day. And that's like a lot of weight to carry. I understand that there's no judgment, <clears throat> but I recall a story of a guy whose mother always told him, no, 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 you can't do that. You don't know how. And that sounds innocent enough. That sounds like something I've said to my kids before. But now, even as an adult, before he does anything at all, he thinks to himself, oh, wait, I can't do that because I don't know how. So what have people said to you that you're holding on to as truth? That maybe you forget where it came from, or it came from your, from your mother or your father who love you so much, but you're holding on to it as truth. Now, I also believe that anxiety and depression can play a role. Now, that can be a sermon all on its own, anxiety and depression, but I know it's, a, it's something that a lot of people struggle with. It's something that's in my family that I'm super familiar with. Those thoughts carry so much weight to them. And in every other area of our life, sometimes those thoughts hold an ounce of truth, but when it comes to anxiety and depression, those are thoughts that you're being bombarded with, which oftentimes have no truth whatsoever, but feel so, so true. But I believe in a lot of cases, we can handle those thoughts the same way that we handle the other thoughts. I believe our thoughts can also come from ourselves, but also Satan. When I was preparing this message, I kept going back and forth. Like, I know that there's a spiritual warfare out there. I know that if anything wants control of our minds, if anything wants control of our thought lives, it's that guy. He knows that our thoughts control our actions. And so if he can get up there and place that tiny seed of doubt in our mind, that that is like a spark that can cause a wildfire in our mind. There's a war that goes on up there. It's a battle that we have to choose to face every single day. But I also know that he doesn't have ultimate control over us. Just like God doesn't control every step that we take, Satan doesn't have that much control either. But to be honest, we do 
enough damage to ourselves by choosing to listen to the negative things that people have to say about us, to continue to choose not to take our thoughts captive and to dwell on those negative thoughts that are in, that are in our minds that we say about ourselves time and time again. <clears throat> we do that damage to ourselves. I know that God has more for us, but we have to begin to take our thoughts captive if we want to be any good in this world at all. And I know that Satan has a part to play because there are several passages in the Bible where it talks about this way back in the beginning in the garden with Adam and Eve. God gave them very clear instruction that they could eat from any tree, any fruit in the garden except for this one specific tree. He gave them that clear instruction but then in swoops Satan, and he begins to question what God said. He begins to question God's character. And Eve thought about that long enough for it to cause enough of a doubt in her mind that she sees that moment. And it, we can see the destruction and the damage that it's caused today. And then it also makes me think in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11, it'll be on the screen up there. This is called the temptation of Jesus. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord, your God to the test. Again, the devil took him up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord, your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. I find the story fascinating for so many reasons. I feel like there's so much to unpack here. First, before it says that Jesus was tempted, it says that he was baptized. So <clears throat> he got baptized and you all have been there before. You're feeling uh, super excited to serve God. You know that feeling whenever you first became a Christian, you're just like, wow, God is so amazing. I can't wait to do everything he has in store for me. And you're so excited and ready to do all of that. And then all of a sudden, you feel attacked. You feel like the world is against you. Your thoughts are coming against you. And to be honest, we shouldn't be surprised by that. Satan is super predictable in those, in those ways. When you're feeling on top of the world, when you're feeling like things are going just right, of course that's when you feel like those attacks are going to come your way. Now, of course, Satan didn't win in this situation. Satan never wins in any situation. Jesus won. But what's so fascinating is that Satan knew that Jesus was fully human, but he was also fully God. But he was quoting scripture against God himself to try to trip him up. Thankfully, Jesus knew scripture well enough to not be manipulated by that. But that's exactly what he's going to do to us as well. It also says that Jesus 
was hungry and tired. And today we call that hangry. <laughs> Where you're so hungry that you're a little bit on the angry side. He says he went 40 days without food. That's a whole new level of hangry that I've never experienced. But isn't that so true that when we are feeling a little bit less than the best, when we're not feeling our best and the greatest, of course Satan's going to try to come in there whenever we're a little bit more weak than what we normally are. So Satan takes scripture and tries to twist it and tries to manipulate it. So what do we do whenever we have these thoughts come in, whether they're from our past experience, whether they're from uh, things that other people have said to us or from Satan, what do we do when these thoughts come in? Again, I want to refer back to my friend Charles Stanley. He's done this a lot longer than I have. So when I was preparing this message and I saw that Charles Stanley also had a message about uh, our thought life, I wanted to take a listen. And one of the things that he said is that we need to call to question the thoughts that we have. That's one way that we can take our thoughts captive. Because again, it's up to us. It's a choice that we have to make. We can't always control how those thoughts get there, but we can control what we do with them. So a couple of questions that you should ask yourself when these thoughts come in. The first one is, do these thoughts fit who I am as a follower of Jesus? Do these thoughts fit who I am as a follower of Jesus? Jesus is never going to be the one that's calling you weak. Jesus is never going to be the one reminding you of your failures. He's never going to be the one trying to hold you back or push you down. The next question is, do these thoughts line up with Scripture? Now, in order to know if these thoughts line up with Scripture, you actually need to know Scripture. And if you're just starting out and you're simply opening the Bible and reading through it, again, let me remind you, we have to start somewhere, and Jesus will meet you where you are. He will meet you in that place. But if you've been a Christian for a while and you're still just flipping through the Bible and opening it up, let me encourage you to dig a little bit deeper. And if you don't know how to do that, not only would the people on staff like to help you, this is one of the most equipped churches that I've ever seen. There are so many people here who love God, who have been to a ministry school, and we can connect you with somebody that can help you figure out how to dig deeper into the Word of God. Because we need to know what the Word of God says in order to not be manipulated by it. I know there are so many times in my life where friends have fallen away from this Christian life. Like things get too hard. They they begin to question who God is. They begin to question his character. And I believe what it comes down to, they, they feel like they start seeing contradictions in the Bible and they stop seeking the answers. So they begin to fall away. We have to know what the word of God says in order to stand up in this world. The next question is where will these thoughts lead me? Again, God will never lead you on a path of destruction. God will never lead you to something that's just meant to clear your mind and to forget everything. That's not the path that God has for you. And the last question is, are these thoughts building me up or are these thoughts tearing me down. And this as well goes back to scripture. The Bible says that the words that we have to say are meant to build one another up, not to tear each other down. And that 
goes for our own thoughts about ourselves as well. It says that we are called to love one another as we love ourselves, but how much do you actually love yourself? What are the thoughts that are going on in your mind? Are you loving? Are you kind? Are you caring to yourself? Because that's probably not going to translate to anyone else as well. So the thoughts that you have about yourself and about other people should be building you up, not tearing you down. I also believe another way that we can take control of our thoughts, take our thoughts captive, is to actually surrender our thoughts to God and to another person. We are able to have a relationship with the God of the universe. We are able to come to him with anything. So I want to challenge you not to hold back when you're praying to God. If you don't know where to start, that's okay. Just start by being silent or start by saying Jesus over and over and over again. I'll never forget, um, some of you may know Lisa Turker. She does Bible studies for women all over the world. And she shared a story about how she had come into a crisis situation that she had never encountered before. She had no idea what to do. It was a devastating situation. And she remembered she had no words in this moment. And when she began to pray, all she could say was Jesus's name over and over and over again. But there is so much power in the name of Jesus that that is all she needed in that situation. And that's all we need in our lives too. And I believe that God blesses us with relationships with other people. Of course, we have access to the God of the universe, but he doesn't leave us alone in this world to do it on our own. He provides us with friends and family. So I want to encourage you to find your person. Find your person, not the perfect one, maybe the one that's a little bit of a hot mess sometimes. Find your person that will sit with you when you're not feeling great that will sit with you in those really dark moments and allow you to ask the big, scary questions, and they'll just listen. They don't have to have all of the right answers, but they're praying for you behind the scenes, and when the time is right, they will push you towards the love and truth of Jesus. And you're not gonna find a person that's going to be able to meet you in all of your circumstances. I know I've shared before about our adoption story and how that was not all rainbows and butterflies. There are some really messy, not so great moments when it comes to adoption. And though some of the stories that I had to share, some of the thoughts that I needed to get out to share with another person, I couldn't just share that with everyone. I needed to find another adoptive parent who knew exactly what I was going through, who I could share those thoughts with. And you'll know if that's a safe person or not, and then you can dial it back a little bit, but find yourself a person that you can connect with, a person that doesn't have all the answers, but they're gonna be willing to pray for you. We need to surrender our thoughts because our thoughts are way too dangerous to keep to ourselves. They're way too dangerous to keep to ourselves. We're the only ones that know what's going on up here. We're the only ones that know what we're thinking about ourselves and our circumstances and the people around us. We have to be willing to share those thoughts with God and with other people. The Bible is all the time talking about how we are to walk in the light, how Jesus is in the light. And where the light is, there can be no darkness. And our thoughts 
Those are some of the darkest things that we could possibly have. We have to shed some light into those dark places of our brain where those thoughts are trying to hide. And it's not that Jesus can't get in there, but when we actively choose to surrender our thoughts to God, that's exactly what we're doing. We're surrendering those thoughts to God, and that's so powerful. He can move in that area because God is gentle and kind with us. He'll never force us to do anything, even whenever he knows that all Ultimately, that's the right thing for us. That's, that's what's going to be good for us. He's going to wait for us to choose that. We have to choose some of these things because it's not going to be natural for us to want to be vulnerable with another person, to want to share these thoughts with another person. We have to really, truly put this into practice. I know there have been times where I'm battling with something, and I just have to tell myself constantly, that's not the truth. Because sometimes it feels so true, I have to remind myself it's not actually the truth. Because I'm not called to operate out of a place of how I'm feeling. I'm called to operate out of the truth. In Colossians 3, 1 through 8, no, 1 and 2. Colossians 3, 1 and 2, it says, put on the new self. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on this earth. And I want to read this to you in the message. Sometimes, I don't always read it in the message, but sometimes it just drives the point home so well. So it says, if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, Act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. If we're meant to do anything good in this world, we have got to get our eyes off of ourselves. If you think about it, a lot of the times the thoughts that we have, they're really thoughts about us, about how I can't do it, I'm not the right person for the job, I'm too this, I'm too that. That's, God has so much more for us, and it does no one any good for us to be paralyzed by our own thoughts. We have to surrender those thoughts to God. We cannot continue to allow our thoughts to control us. But I have good news. That verse I shared with you in 2 Corinthians 10.5 that talks about taking our thoughts captive. Right before that, in 10.4, it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And I hope you understand what that means. It has divine power to destroy strongholds. It means we are not in this fight alone. I know oftentimes we can feel powerless. We feel like we have no control over the thoughts that are coming in. And that may be true. We don't exactly know how they always get there, but we control what we do with those thoughts. We get to say how much control they have over our lives. You do not have to be a slave to your thoughts. Somebody said our thoughts are like a bird that fly over our head. We can't control the birds that are flying over our head, but we get to control where they build their nest, right? Birds aren't flying around with like some pre-built nest that they're just looking for a space to land. They grab a twig at a time. They find the right spot, they grab a twig, they bring it back, and that's kind of like, like our thoughts. Don't allow that nest of negativity to be built in your mind. You get to control the thoughts that are sitting there, the thoughts that are resting there. 
God has called you to do something greater. And the process will not always be easy. But in order to do the thing that God has called you to do, you have to begin to take your thoughts captive. You have to allow the truth of God and his voice to be louder in your mind than anything else in this world. Because there are so many things fighting for space in our mind. There are so many things in this world that are going to go against what the word of God says. But we have to know what the truth is. So what is that thing that's right on the other side of you taking your thoughts captive? What is the thing that God is calling you to do that you don't think you're worthy of, that you don't think you're equipped for, that you think you're too weak for? What is the thing that God is calling you to do? Because he will equip you to do that. And he's placed people in your life to equip you to do that. Don't just allow your thoughts to control your life. You have the ability to take your thoughts captive. And it's not just the ability that you have in your own strength and your own power. But when you call yourself a Christian and you are a follower of Jesus, he sends us the Holy Spirit. It's that same Holy Spirit that Jesus accessed in the wilderness when he was being tempted by Satan. That same Holy Spirit, that same helper that was sent to him is the same Holy Spirit that we have access to in our lives that we can call upon in those times of difficulty when we're not feeling our best, when we are coming under attack by our thoughts. We have that same power that Jesus had. We have that access in our lives to begin to take our thoughts captive, to surrender our thoughts to him. So if I want you to remember anything about today's message is that we are not a victim. We are not weak. God wants more for us. And in order to do that, in order to make a difference in this world, we have to begin to take our thoughts captive. Don't believe the lies that other people are telling you. Don't believe the lies that you're telling yourself because those are not going to be from Jesus. Even though they feel true, they sound true, that does not make them true. Let's pray. Jesus, I want to thank you so much, God. Lord, I thank you for the power that you put into our lives, Lord. I thank you for the Holy Spirit, for that helper, God, that you give to us, Lord. God, I know it's not easy to take our thoughts captive, God. But Lord, I pray that you help us to feel your peace and your presence today, God. And Lord, I pray if we are out here today, Lord God, and we are feeling that attack, Lord, we have no idea where it's coming from, but we have these thoughts that are coming against us, Lord God. Lord, I pray that your peace will flow over us, Lord God, and that we will begin to rise up, Lord, that we will know the truth, that we will begin to operate in the truth, Lord God, that your voice will be louder than any voice that is fighting for space in our mind, Lord God. Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Renaissance Podcast. I hope that God has spoken to you through this message and that you're encouraged to continue pursuing Him. If you would like to get connected with what's going on here at Renaissance, then find us on social media or visit us online at rendicator.org. Remember to check out the Renaissance Church at Home page for online worship, sermons, and children's programs that are being offered during the COVID-19 outbreak.